It is Friday the 13th of the year 2020. <laughs> what is in store today? Hey, hope everyone is doing well. Uh, I hope uh, this microphone, try out a new microphone today. And hopefully this sounds a lot better. If you haven't noticed, I've been using the uh, really, really terrible audio in the last few episodes because I've been forced to use basically, uh, you know, kind of your iPhone headphones. And uh, you can really tell the difference. Now this is a, a legit microphone, and uh, hopefully this sounds a lot better. So uh, let me know. I've been a little bit more active on Twitter in the last several days, um, and uh, we've been uh, trying to grow at DownWokeness uh, on our Twitter page there. Lots to talk about. The last episode, we talked about some of this proof, actual proof that the election has been stolen in uh, at least Michigan. Now, it was interesting because I've been really um I've been really interested to see whether Dr. Shiva's analysis of the voters in Michigan and you know, you'll you'll recall for those who didn't listen to the last episode, basically let me sum it up. There is an algorithm that has been applied to the voting machines in uh, in at least uh, three of the four counties that were analyzed there, and it it did not include Wayne County. That was Detroit, but it included all the suburban areas around Detroit that skew more Republican. You know, Detroit obviously Wayne County is very Democrat. That tends to be the way that all the big cities work is they go blue, uh, and by a lot. And um, and so it was actually a really good control in uh, Dr. Shiva's analysis. You can look at the last episode. I have a link to the YouTube video there so you can watch through and see what all he did. But um, Wayne County actually provided a really good uh, control because you could see on the graph it was a it was a very normal distribution of all of these plot points. And each plot point represented a precinct, you know, basically what it was measuring is of the, you know, compared to the overall Republicans, how many people voted for Trump? And uh, that, so that was the, that was the measure. And what it found is that in these other counties, the more, you know, at these precincts, the more people voted for Trump, I'm sorry, the more people voted for Republicans, the less they liked Trump. So there was a inverse relationship there and it was linear. It wasn't just that it it declined, you know, somewhat in areas that were more Republican. It was that uh, as it was directly linear, you could draw a straight line, which mathematically is impossible. So that is what they would call statistical proof of uh, manipulation. And uh, we went through some of the some of the proof of uh, of how these election systems have been working in the past. Of course, the. Uh, Diebold systems were heavily criticized in the early 2000s. Uh, at that point, uh, Republicans were, I believe, the biggest uh, donors to this Diebold system. So they were accused, of course, of being uh, biased toward Republicans. And, you know, there was a lot of media attention in the early 2000s. And, you know, every comedy show uh, or or animated, you know, series or whatever would show like someone 
trying to place a vote for Al Gore and instead it flipping to Bush Cheney. And uh, so it was a very popular thing for the media to be talking about then. Well, it's not the case now. Now you have a system that is called Dominion, Dominion Voting Systems. Uh, the uh, One of the executives here is named Eric Coomer. He's been under investigation because he has uh, some interests here that are have a huge um, conflict of interest. But this is a Toronto-based company, um, Paul Pelosi. Yes. Yes, he is a relative of Nancy. Um, it, I think... I think it's a son of Nancy. Um, you can fact check me on this, but I believe it's her one of her sons who is an executive there. Also, Diane Feinstein um, has uh, been a supporter of, of uh, Dominion Voting Systems as well. The state of Texas reviewed Dominion Voting Systems and uh, refused to certify it um, a few years ago because it could not verify some of the code was accurate. So that has become now another data point here um, in this this big voter fraud thing that we're going through. And uh, yesterday, uh, if I can pull this up, um, Donald Trump, uh, of course, you know, this gets flagged immediately by Twitter because uh, they can't let the president say something. So Donald Trump tweeted uh, on November 12th, report, Dominion deleted 2.7 million Trump votes nationwide. Data analysis finds 221 Pennsylvania votes switched from President Trump to Biden. 941 Trump votes deleted. States using Dominion voting systems switched 435,000 votes from Trump to Biden. So, uh, of course, this is flagged by Twitter as uh, this claim about election fraud is disputed. That's now... It is interesting how many different unique flags they're putting on Donald Trump's uh, tweets because it started out with them putting um, these labels on things, you know, some of them censoring altogether. So you couldn't comment on them. You couldn't share them without uh, an election uh, uh, alert popping up. And then you see, you know, they started putting things that say, learn about the uh, election 2020 efforts. Uh, this claim is disputed. Um, there's one of these that uh, I'm scrolling now through his his previous tweets, but uh, many of these then started to say, you know, this tweet may, uh, this claim may uh, undermine uh, the, um, you know, the, the election or civic process. It started to become very kind of... Um, broad <laughs> to now be, you know, you'll recall, this was all supposed to flag election interference. Now, there's a big question here about how the president of the United States himself can be flagged for election interference, because clearly everything he's saying is biased for himself. He is the candidate running in the election. But Twitter feels that they must put a label on everything. Now, do you think this is going to work out well for Twitter? Do you think people like having a nag, a constant nag telling them, oh, be careful, this is dangerous information, you shouldn't be reading this? This isn't going to work out well. The millennial morons at Twitter don't know what they're doing, but this is this is totally working against them. They think they're being obedient little foot soldiers for the cathedral, 
the corporate press, which is the enemy of the people, and now you have this this uh, uh, real kind of rebellion that's brewing against everything that the corporate press, the Democratic Party, Hollywood, uh, much of corporate America, they're all, um, they've all jumped on this bandwagon to try to, you know, be cool. And you have a growing opposition. Um, I think this is evidenced by the polls. You look at these polls that have, you know, Wisconsin being a plus 17 Joe Biden state. No, it wasn't. It was plus one. Uh, and, and it appears that Donald Trump may actually win that state. It's only a 10,000 vote difference and they're, they've already identified fraud. Um, they've already identified certain things that haven't been calculated yet. Uh, you know, you look at, um, you know, David Schaefer, uh, had a really great tweet earlier. Um, and this is just this morning. But um, some analysis on what had happened. Now he is um, a chairman of the Georgia Republican Party. So now we're talking about Georgia here, just to be clear. Um, and the uh, Georgia Republican Party tweeted out a um, request for David Schaefer and Congressman Doug, Doug Collins. Um, to ask basically the Secretary of State to take control of the hand count of ballots. And basically, it's for transparency. They want someone else involved in the process so there isn't the ability for one person to skew the results. So David Schaefer then quote tweets this, and uh, uh, this is actually yesterday. I apologize. This is on November 12th. This is last night. David Schaefer says, in 2018... When 230,000 absentee ballots were cast, 3.5% were rejected for signature mismatches or other reasons. Okay, so this is important. 3.5%. You know, this is a pretty good sample size. It's almost a quarter million ballots here, absentee ballots in 2018. 3.5% were rejected. Okay, so you got that? 3.5% of ballots in 2018 were rejected. He continues, in 2020... When more than 1.2 million absentee ballots were cast, the rejection rate fell to 0.3. 0.3 instead of 3.5. Interesting, huh? So what this appears to be indicating is that, um, you know, if you do the the basic math here, you can do... um, this indicates that, you know, 1.2 million, let me just do the quick, the quick numbers here. So this is uh, 42,000 ballots that should be tossed out of this, this overall figure here. 42,000, which is more than enough, just, just there, you know, assuming you have the, the same rejection rate for signature mismatches um, as you had for absentee ballots, that's more than enough for Trump to win this thing to entirely. I mean, he, he wins this thing. Um, so I thought that was very interesting. My money is on Trump to win Georgia now, uh, for sure. I, I am really pretty confident about that, unless there's you know some effort now for Trump to just concede and he actually gives in. I don't think that's likely, but I think it's possible. So we do want to keep an eye on that. 
Um, and uh, then you have the the meantime here, you have Joe Biden and Kamala Harris who are beginning to have conversations with international uh, with other countries, representatives from other other uh, countries around the world. Um, acting as if they are the president-elect. Of course, the media has really done a disservice to people here. President-elect refers to someone who has the electoral votes or who appears to have the electoral votes in order to win once all of the states have, or enough of the states have certified their results. Okay, what that means is when the states say, okay, now we're officially done counting. Here's our here's our numbers. We're now releasing our our final numbers. We're done counting. It's important to note that none of these swing states have have certified their results. So this is not a um, I mean, I, I think Georgia is very close to certifying their results. They're essentially done, um, but they're waiting. You know, obviously there's a, a recount that's gonna happen there. There's a recount and an audit that's going to happen in Wisconsin as well. So I anticipate both of those states are going to flip. They were so close already, and uh, and I, I anticipate they're both going to flip for Trump. So, you know, again, if you do the math here, and let's just flip Wisconsin and Georgia red, well, that's 200 and, you know, you need 270. Trump gets 258 at that point. And then on the table, you still have Nevada, Arizona, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. So um, now, basically, the way that that would work then is Trump would either need to win Michigan, which has a hundred thousand vote margin. Now, look, there's a lot of fraud in Michigan. We just talked about it. How this uh, uh, this Dominion software and its weighted race feature that appears to have been toggled on because the algorithm here is just undeniable. How this is bending the statistics into this hockey stick. If that's reversed, Trump is going to win the state of Michigan, and there's going to be more fraud there than um, – now, you know, this is the stakes, though. That would make Michigan into the biggest election fraud state that we've ever seen in the United States. It actually would flip the outcome of the election in many people's minds. It would be seen as the worst case of fraud that's ever existed. The whole state, the governor – uh, the the whole apparatus that runs the election system there would be seen as illegitimate. So that's what we're fighting against. Everyone in the state of Michigan, especially in the Democratic Party that is in control right now of the uh, – Gretchen Whitmer as the governor, um, is fighting against that. They don't want the whole state to be humiliated by having their fraud revealed. However, the Republicans – control the state legislature. So the Republicans would have the ability to make things very, very difficult for um, in the state of Michigan. And if Trump wins Michigan as well, that's 274, he wins. Now, let's say Michigan stays with, uh, now, of course, results haven't been certified, but let's say Michigan stays with Biden. Let's also say that Pennsylvania, which I think is going to go for Trump, and again, that means Trump wins, 278, but let's say Pennsylvania stays with Biden. Well, there's two states left then, Nevada and Arizona. Nevada's worth six. Arizona's worth 11. Now, we're really in trouble if Trump wins Arizona only because then that means Biden and Trump both have 269. <laughs> 
Now, what happens is this then goes to the um, the it goes to Congress to vote on, and Congress is going to lean Republican here. So um, you have uh, a very good shot that then Trump would win re-election. You know, he's he's probably going to win the tiebreaker here, but um, but you could end up with a tie. Now, if there's widespread fraud in Nevada as well, and Trump wins Nevada, then you're in a situation where it's all about Arizona because you have Trump at 264 and Biden at 263. So it's really, you know, I just want, I'm going to reset my map. I've been kind of playing around with this interactive map. Right now, we don't know Nevada. We don't know Arizona. We don't know Wisconsin. We don't know Michigan. We don't know Pennsylvania. We don't know Georgia. Those are the states that are still up in the air. Okay, those six states. Out west, Nevada, Arizona. And then uh, out east, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Those are the big ones. And then Georgia, which I think is solidly Georgia's going for Trump. So... um there is uh, the idea of referring to, to Joe Biden as president-elect is ridiculous because we haven't certified these results at all. However, Joe Biden's already having conversations with other nations. Um, there is a—he's uh, put out a statement that James Lindsay at Conceptual James talked about a little bit on his Twitter page about their support of the idea of wokeness. And I think this is pretty chilling for someone who's about to take power. Again, you know, I will balance this by saying I think the good side is going to win here. I don't think that this is uh, uh, any insurmountable thing. In fact, if anything, given the split, we see a 50-50 split right now. I think it's clear that we need to get into a into more and more conflict. Um meaning our country needs to actually split up. These are two different cultures at the very least, maybe more than that, and uh, we're not going to resolve. There's not going to be any unity. I'm sorry to tell you. There will be no unity, um, at least until we're able to uh, basically get sick of fighting with each other, and we're not there yet. Right now, we both the sides are really enjoying fighting with each other. So... Um, so, you know, what that does is it starts to, to split up into different countries. I don't know if there's going to be any coming back together. I don't think there will be barring some crazy, you know, world event happening that, that changes a lot of psychology. You know, some like 9-11 style thing that's going to totally rattle us to the bone. But um, you can argue that's what coronavirus was and is. And instead of kind of the idea of coming together and saying, all right, well, this Trump guy's a clown, but we're all uh, in this bad position now and we all need to try to, you know, come together and fix this and let's have the parties working together and not accusing each other of being, you know, racist, uh, evil people. That's not what happened. Instead, the Democrats for, you know, the first month or so called Trump racist and said, no, go out to Chinatown and, you know, how dare Donald Trump suggest that this coronavirus is something. It's just the cold. And then a month or so later, Democrats start start saying, wow, Trump has totally botched the response to this. It's like, OK, well, he was already dealing with this in uh, January, in late January. He was starting to uh, to actually take action about this. And you guys start complaining in, you know, late March and then start, you know, picking fights over stupid things like, you know, Donald Trump says there's some UV light treatment that's been shown to kill the virus. And he says, can we do that? Can we inject some, you know, disinfectant 
that that to disinfect the blood or something like that, and is just off the uh, totally off the cuff at one of his coronavirus hearings, and uh, and of course the left turns that into Donald Trump's Donald Trump wants you to inject Lysol, wants you to inject bleach. These people are the enemy of the people. They really are. So Joe Biden puts out this statement, uh, his campaign, and let me just read this to you because um, I think this is pretty pretty chilling. Um, I think this also indicates Joe Biden's willingness to take this wokeness trend and try to extend it further. So let me read this. Uh, It begins, unless your ancestors were native to those shores or forcibly enslaved and brought here as part of our original sin as a nation, it's referring to slavery, most Americans can trace their family history back to a choice, a choice to leave behind everything that was familiar in search of new opportunities and a new life. Joe Biden understands that that is an irrefutable source of our strength. Generations of immigrants have come to this country with little more than clothes on their backs, the hope in their hearts, and a desire to claim their own piece of the American dream. It's the reason we have constantly been able to renew ourselves, to grow better and stronger as a nation, to meet new challenges. Well, that's highly debatable, whether immigrants are the reason we were able to, to meet new challenges. What? This is political nonsense. It continues. Immigration is essential to who we are as a nation, our core values, and our aspirations for the future. Under a Biden administration, we will never turn our backs on who we are or that which makes us uniquely and proudly American. The United States deserves an immigration policy that reflects our highest values as a nation. Okay. All of that says nothing. (laughs) That says nothing. Um, That's all political speech. There's no part of this that is uh, a policy that he's he's putting forth, but it does present a worldview. In fact, his policy here is in the last sentence. The United States deserves an immigration policy that reflects our highest values. What the fuck does that mean, Joe Biden? But this is all predicated on this idea of uh, Americans have a duty to do this because of their original sin as a nation, slavery. Therefore, we must be open to immigration no matter the cost. That is is the worldview presented here. That's bullshit. That's not true. That's a guilt trip. Um, other things that uh, I just want to share in the the few remaining minutes here because we uh, I, I think you know, I'm sure there's gonna be more happening uh, later today. And we'll talk about it um, early next week as well, but, um, one thing I wanted to just talk about was the, uh, New York times, um, again, the enemy of the people. And, uh, they put out on, uh, uh, November 11th. So the day of our, our last episode here, they put out at the same time we were talking about dominion systems and this, uh, weighted race feature that they have embedded in the software, easy to use for election officials that know what they're doing to completely skew the results of the entire state if they want. Um, the New York Times puts out a um, banner headline across their newspaper, their front page. And it's very rare, just so you, you know, for those who don't know, everyone listening to this probably doesn't even get a newspaper anymore. You know, these have kind of gone out of style. So 
it's it's funny to see how newspapers have gone from basically the size of tablecloths. You know, they'd be these huge folds to really these little strips of paper um, that might be, you know, 12 inches across and and maybe 20 inches long. You know, very small. And then they're just folded. And um, so they've got the newspapers have gotten thinner and thinner and thinner. And so as a result, um, it's it's just design wise has become you know, more and more columns across. It's very skinny little strips of stories. So you can see, you know, six different stories across the front page. And usually um, it's split up. So you have, you know, some headline on one side and some headline on the other side. You know, they it's the ADD generation. They want to try to capture you with as much um, news as possible. However, what the New York Times did on November 11th was they did a full-page banner headline. And this means edge-to-edge of this paper. This means there was no other headline to distract you from the main headline across the page. It was, you know, it's longer than the New York Times logo itself across the top. And when they do a banner headline, that means here is the one and only story that matters in the world. That's what that means. And on November 11th, on this past Wednesday, as we were talking about all the fraud that was happening in, uh, sorry, in Michigan, the New York Times put out this headline, in all caps, election officials nationwide find no fraud. Are these people the enemy of the people or what? It really is ridiculous. Now, this was followed up, of course. Um, you know, because the New York Times uh, is is uh, evil. Um, they uh, then put out a story yesterday on November 12th, the next day. And um, their headline was, can Trump still win? No, he's already lost. Joe Biden has won enough states by enough votes that President Trump cannot overcome those deficits through legal challenges or recounts. Huh. On Twitter, days after the election was called for Joe Biden, this is the New York Times speaking, President Trump continues to falsely maintain that he, quote, will win. Falsely maintain that he will win. Are they time travelers? They continue. It's not possible. Biden has won enough states by enough votes that Trump can't overcome the deficits through legal challenges or recounts. So the New York Times is incapable of imagining a scenario where 10,000 votes in Wisconsin could be thrown out by a judge is what I'm gathering from this. He can't overcome the deficits through legal challenges or recounts. Now, look, you can make the case through recounts. You know, maybe historically recounts have only shifted the vote, you know, one or 2%, so maybe recounts aren't enough. Fine. Legal challenges? You want to tell me that if this goes to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court says all mail-in ballots that don't have, you know, ID or signature verification should be thrown out, Trump wins in a landslide. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes close in California. That is really, really depraved by the New York Times. And again, you know, this really indicates how evil they are. Um, So remember that. Remember that headline and uh, remember the people that are spreading these lies because uh, when Trump ends up becoming the uh, – getting reelected, 
this is going to break their brains. And it's going to cause rioting, and it's going to cause violence and um, a real cognitive dissonance and mental illness across the country. And it will be because all of the cathedral, and again, the corporate press, Hollywood, um, the uh, all the corporations backing this, the deep state, the Democratic Party, some Republicans— it will be because they all jumped on the bandwagon and said, this thing is over. There's no way Trump can win. Don't worry. It's over. There, it's, it would be impossible for Trump to come back. No, it's not. In fact, I still put it as likely. I still think there's a 51% chance or greater that Trump is going to pull this off. Because there is, uh, there's, real, there's validity to all this. Now, last episode we talked about... Um, Dr. Shiva's analysis of the state of Michigan. Um, I have followed up on uh, on that to get the latest from Dr. Shiva. He says that he has been, into, he offered this both to, to uh, the Trump campaign and Joe Biden as well, um, reached out to both campaigns and uh, said that uh, he did not hear back from Joe Biden's campaign. No surprise there. Um, so no response from them. However, the Trump campaign did respond. In fact, he said multiple of the Trump children, the quote Trump children, have reached out to him um, in order for him to share some of his findings in the state of Michigan. So I would expect that that information is now in the best hands that it could be in for the Trump campaign. And uh, we're going to be hearing more about that because, you know, that was the big hurdle is with all of this noise, can the people who have meaningful information actually get that information out? And to the public, maybe not so much, but to a lot of people with the Trump campaign uh, who are trying to, um, you know, actually fight this fight and are looking for those things, then uh, I think this is getting to all the right people. Um couple other things just to touch on. Uh, China, which uh, was just uh, elected to the UN's Human Rights Council, uh, despite, I guess, the concentration camps and forced rape of the Muslim Uyghurs, um, the disappearing of husbands of families and forced breeding with Chinese citizens, good communist Chinese citizens. Um, despite that, China was elected to the UN Human Rights Council, and uh, they made a statement to the United States and said, um, China, newly elected to the UN Human Rights Council, just reviewed the U.S. human rights record. China wishes to recommend to the U.S., one, root out systematic racism address widespread police brutality, and combat discrimination against African and Asian Americans. <laughs> Very just rich, China. Thanks, thanks, China, for being so concerned about uh, human rights. Two, because this is a list. Two, urge politicians to respect people's rights to life and health and stop politicizing and stigmatizing the COVID-19 pandemic, says China who created the COVID-19 pandemic and allowed it to spread to every country on earth. Three, I added that part. Three, take holistic measures to eliminate political polarization and social inequality. Can you believe these motherfuckers? Man, fuck China. Four, combat the increasingly severe religious intolerance and xenophobic parties. Huh. 
Who are the xenophobic parties, I wonder? Five, stop incarcerating migrants, including migrant children, and guarantee the rights of migrants. Thanks, China. Thanks for telling the United States that it needs to guarantee the rights of people from other countries. Six, address proliferation of guns and guarantee people's rights to life. Oh, so they don't want people to have guns. Seven, lift coercive unilateral measures. Okay, well, this is this is maybe the most directly affecting China, but they don't like the fact that there's policy that is set in place that uh, affect uh, trade, essentially. Eight, stop torture in anti-terrorist operations and halt military intervention in other countries and stop killing civilians. Okay. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> now, China does this all the time. So this is, again, really, really rich. This is, you know, China's killing people, civilians, on a daily basis. Um, but you're right. The United States, that's where the U.S. has been terrible. We shouldn't be fighting wars. And nine, stop interfering for political reasons in other countries' internal affairs under the pretext of human rights. Okay. So China is saying... Hey, U.S., uh, here's all the things you should be doing for human rights. Oh, and the last thing, don't tell us what to do regarding human rights. What? What do you think you're doing? So this is really rich. The uh, president of China this morning congratulated Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on their election victory. So China is going with the narrative that this is over uh, and Trump will be gone. I don't think they have any clue, but uh, it is true that um, you know, Joe Biden is a is a uh, in many ways a Manchurian candidate here. Um, he is compromised at the very least by China, and now they've signaled publicly that they have his back as well. So um, this is a fight that continues to grow. Um, please, everyone, stay attentive to what's going on. Um, be courageous. I wouldn't offer up your opinions if it means losing your job, if it means losing your. Um, your friends, uh, people who are important to you, but um, it is important that you hold strong here and not give in to the evil on the other side because this is uh, really a, a force for evil. And, um, and it, it's clear, you know, you, you largely have, you know, you know me, I'm not going to defend the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. But it's pretty clear which of those two parties, if you had to choose, now they're both shady. They both have plenty going on that's corrupt. But it's pretty clear if you have to choose which of those parties is willing to sacrifice their principles now in order to stop Hitler. That's what they believe. And if you really believe that, is there anything that you would do or not do in order to stop Hitler? You would do everything you possibly could whether you could get away with it or not. And a lot of these things already in Pennsylvania yesterday, uh, many votes were thrown out. They determined that the uh, election commissioner could not change rules uh, for when ballots could be um, accepted, that that was up to the Pennsylvania state legislature. Now, that affects a small number of ballots, but um, the precedent that that sets is that the judges are saying that the uh, elections department does not have the right to be able to change the rules and they changed the rules in several ways so we're going to see a lot of ballots being thrown out in Pennsylvania and again 
going back to my handy little map here, if Trump wins Pennsylvania and Trump wins Georgia, he only needs one other state and this is over. And he's probably going to win Michigan. That's 278. That'll do it for this episode. Hope you are uh, you like this microphone a little bit better. I, I think this is clear. Uh, I did notice it cutting out a couple times, so you may have noticed the audio stop and then start again. But um, if you like this, then uh, then great. Keep listening and uh, engage with us. Follow us at DownWokeness on Twitter while Twitter allows us to be around. And uh, we will see you next week. Have a great weekend, everyone.